I'm John Green with Green's Farm in Weatherford, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it seems to be a consensus that we need more money in the farm bill. But during this 2023 Farm Bill debate, the question is, where will the money come from and can we get it? We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. An explosion at a dairy near Dimmit remains under investigation. I'm James Hunt and we'll share the details that have been released so far on Texas Ag Today. Texas FFA stresses the importance of agriculture as part of the organization. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have comments from the president of the Texas FFA on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas has its first good rain of 2023. The drought's not over, but folks are certainly welcoming the rain. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. A common theme in the 2023 Farm Bill discussions is that we need to strengthen the farm safety net to address the massive rise in farm input costs. Tom Sell with Combest Sell & Associates. That's part of the justification why a lot of folks are calling for higher reference prices. So that's one way, just trying to make sure that the price floors relative to what you're selling will accommodate the cost of inputs that it took to get there. But there are some ideas that are being put on the table of indexing the reference price or actually creating a margin type of coverage within that reference price. So there's some interesting ideas that are getting on the table. And Strengthening crop insurance is another goal that everyone seems to agree on, but both of those things take money. And the question now is, can we get that money? And where will it come from? Several auto and truck manufacturers are leaving AM radios out of new model vehicles. Initially, it was only for electric vehicles, saying the vehicle's electric powertrain made it impossible to get an AM signal in those cars. But that disturbing trend is now moving into the mainstream. Ford announced last week that it will exclude AM radio from most new and updated vehicles they bring to market. So how does this affect agriculture? Well, in many Texas towns, an AM radio station is the only source of local information available, especially when it comes to farm information. About one-third of the radio stations we partner with here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network are AM stations. The Albertsons and Kroger grocery chains are aggressively pursuing a merger, and not everyone in agriculture is excited about it. 
Last October, the chains announced that both of their boards had voted to pursue a merger that would make it the second largest grocery chain in the country behind Walmart. For many in agriculture, this brings back memories of big mergers in the meatpacking industry. It really got at the attention of some of our members who have been in this industry for many years, you know, decades. It's some of those same individuals that uh, went through the process of observing the packing sector consolidate over many years. That's Ben Weinheimer, president and CEO of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. Early on, you know, there wasn't probably a lot of concern given to, you know, gradually reducing the number of packing plants. But as that has evolved, there's really four large packing companies versus uh, when you compare that to the retail sector today, there's still hundreds of sizable retail companies that help ensure competition for our beef products in the retail space and different options for consumers. Weinheimer says cattle feeders don't want to see a future where only a handful of companies control the entire retail grocery sector, like we currently have in the packing industry. An explosion at a Texas Panhandle dairy Monday evening remains under investigation. James Hunt has the story. Castro County Sheriff Sal Rivera says it will probably take at least several more days for investigators to conclude their work at the South Fork Dairy near Dimmit, where an explosion occurred Monday night. The sheriff says the official cause of the blast has not been established, but here's what is believed to have happened. It's determined that it was possibly a piece of equipment that caught fire and then ignited uh, possibly the methane fumes of the manure, and it caused an explosion, and then the the fire kind of spread pretty rapidly. A female employee of the dairy was airlifted to a Lubbock hospital and was at last report in critical condition. Sheriff Rivera also says as the fire moved through the facilities, there was a large loss of cattle. They were in a uh, holding area, you know, they have a covered barn, uh, basically a holding area where they bring in the dairy cattle and then uh, move them into the dairy building. And uh, so it just spread through that building and eventually, I believe, it got most of them and then, of course, smoke and probably got some of them. Sheriff Rivera also gave this description of the condition of the structures. Basically, uh, the holding area, the, the big barn, it looks like it's a total loss. Just by looking at it, I mean, I, I can't say for sure, but it, it just, it's a possibility that it is a total loss. The dairy part uh, building, uh, it'll probably have damage from the smoke and uh, things like that, but uh, it's still standing. But some of the structure is unsteady, uh, you know, so it's still a dangerous situation, you know, to be inside those parts of those buildings. So they're trying to do see what they can do to eventually start removing the dead animals and things like that from the area. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The year is winding down for the Texas FFA State Officer Team. Tom Nicoletti visits with the current Texas FFA State President. My guest today is Windsor Godfrey. She is the current state president for the Texas FFA. She is from North Texas in Jack County. And Windsor, you have been leading the officers of the FFA for several months now. And how have you met the goals that you set for the FFA at this point? Absolutely. So one of our things we did at the beginning of the year is we set quite a few goals because we knew that we wanted to have some expectations for ourselves as a team 
team, whether that was goals as an entire team or goals for the travel team, which is what I represent. One of our biggest goals was to make sure that we are continually letting the members know and letting the public know that we are an agriculture organization. And so one of our big, big goals was to make sure we include agriculture in everything that we do. So if you follow us on any of our social medias, you will see that twice a month we do post ag facts just to kind of get the public to know just some general knowledge about agriculture and the industry around them, the industry that feeds them. I have the privilege of traveling the state of Texas, giving different kinds of workshops, whether it's leadership based or agriculture based, but no matter what the workshop looks like, we always try to make sure we incorporate agriculture into it somehow because we are talking to that younger generation, the future of this industry. And so we want to make sure that they are as educated as possible because one day they're going to be feeding us and our families. Yes. And certainly agriculture is the backbone of uh, the Texas FFA and getting that message out to even the general public is vitally important. It is. Absolutely. I would totally agree with that. We found it from the very beginning that it was something that we kind of thought was missing from our organization. We all knew that it was there, but it wasn't something that was broadcasted very loudly. And we thought that agriculture is the most important part of our organization. And we wanted people to know that and recognize that. That is Windsor Godfrey. She is president of the Texas FFA. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas had its first good rain of 2023. Jim Hearn reports from the Rio Grande Valley. The valley has received its first decent rain for 2023. Now, in many locations, rainfall rates were two to four inches, and it looks like more rain may be on the horizon. Well, they call them million-dollar rains because, you know, without the timely rain, dryland crops were on the way to ruin. For now, we have kicked the can, so to speak, a little further down the road, but a lot more rain is going to be needed. Much of South Texas still has a varying degree of drought. Burn bans are still in effect, and most outside burning is still prohibited. Well, the rains have slowed irrigation demand. That's certainly good news. Crews are getting a much-needed rest. The harvest of spring sweet onions has started. This year's crop was a good one. The watermelon's looking good. Sugar cane is also wrapping up. And the citrus harvest, well, Valencia oranges and grapefruit still being harvested there. It seems to be uh, a lot of fruit, though, still left out on the trees. The current crop, the young fruit, is about ping-pong ball size. While growers continue to irrigate on about a three-week schedule to keep that fruit growing. Concerns are continuing over the water levels, though, at Falcon and Amistad Reservoir. Amistad Reservoir now at about 38.3% full. That's down from about 47% three months ago. And Falcon falling now at about 10% full. That's about half the amount of water that Falcon was holding last year at this time. This is Jim Hurd in the Rio Grande Valley. There are 70 to 80 species of snakes in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel and we'll have tips on what you can do to reduce the likelihood of a negative snake interaction coming up on Texas Ag Today. And bloat can be a problem in grazing calves this time of year. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. As we celebrate Earth Day 2023, we know that sustainability in agriculture requires our entire value chain to invest in our planet, this year's Earth Day theme. That's why we collaborate on best practices to protect crops, reduce inputs, conserve and regenerate land, and help keep fresh water clean, all while striving to reduce the climate impact of our own operations. 
This message is from Syngenta, investing in agricultural innovation that helps protect our planet today and tomorrow. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Bloat can be a problem in grazing calves this time of year. Dr. Bob Judd says this can occur on clover or wheat and other small grain pastures. Bloat is a serious problem in calves as it is deadly in many cases. Microorganisms in the cow's rumen or first stomach feed on the food ingested by the cow and gas is produced. If the calf cannot eructate or belch, the calf cannot remove this gas and their belly gets bigger and bigger and gets so big they cannot breathe. The growing conditions have not been good on pastures during the winter due to lack of water in many areas. Once we get significant rain, these pastures will grow quickly and the leaves will be highly digestible and some late winter frost events can damage the cell wall in the plants, releasing the contents for rapid availability in the rumen. These plant fractions are the most likely to produce bloat in grazing calves. There are two types of bloat in cattle, and the first is frothy bloat in which the gas is trapped in the liquid and semi-liquid portion of the rumen, forming a foam and preventing the calf from being able to eructate. The second type is free gas bloat due to an obstruction or some type of dysfunction of the ruminal contractions. Most frothy bloat occurs in cattle grazing on clover and other legumes, but can also occur on wheat pasture. You cannot determine which type of bloat is involved until you pass a stomach tube into the stomach. In free gas bloat, the gas will immediately exit the rumen through the tube, but in frothy bloat, a medication must be pumped into the rumen through the tube to break up the bubbles and allow gas to be released. Feeding monensin has been shown to decrease bloat on calves grazing on wheat pasture by 40 to 60 percent. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are 70 to 80 different species of snakes right here in Texas. Jessica Domel has some tips on ways you can avoid a negative interaction with them. As temperatures rise, the likelihood that we will encounter snakes outdoors also rises as snakes search for a place to safely warm themselves. If you happen to encounter a snake while on a hike, fishing, or otherwise enjoying the outdoors, there are a few things that you can do to reduce the likelihood of a negative interaction for both you and the snake. Dr. Maureen Frank, Associate Professor of Conservation Biology at Sol Ross State University, joins us with more. Texas has, depending on how you count subspecies, 70 to 80 species of snakes. And of those, only about a dozen, 12 to 14, are venomous. So most likely, if you encounter a snake, it's probably not a venomous one. And if it is, either way, the best thing to do is not panic and to react calmly. So see the snake. And most of the time when you're hiking or even just out in your yard, whatever you're doing, the snake is probably just going to keep on its way and keep doing what it's doing. So stop. Don't get any closer to it, especially if you don't know what kind it is. If it reacts to your presence, so if it coils up, and then especially if you're aware that it's a venomous snake, it just walks slowly backwards. It thinks you're a threat if it's kind of getting in a defensive posture. And so if you back away, you're reducing that threat and it should carry on. Snakes don't want to interact with us. And it's very energetically expensive to produce venom for our snakes that are venomous. And so they'd really rather not use it on you. That's why rattlesnakes, for example, have rattles to warn you, hey, I really don't want to bite you. Please don't mess with me. Please back away. And they hope that works so that you leave them alone. And then, of course, for all of our non-venomous snakes, and we do have some of our non-venomous snakes that will mimic a rattlesnake. 
Uh, a bull snake, which is also called a gopher snake, will do that same defensive posture. They'll actually shake their tail and they have a hiss that sounds almost exactly like a rattlesnake. And they'll do that same thing. And that just means, please leave me alone. And so if you back up, leave them alone, they'll usually continue on. And then you can continue on on your way, whatever you are doing. That was Dr. Maureen Frank from Sol Ross State University. We'll have more with her on Texas snakes in the coming weeks. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We're hitting record territory in the cattle market once again. We'll check out all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We set another record in the cattle market on Tuesday. This time, it was on live cattle futures. We broke a record on cash last week. Tuesday, it was the futures market setting a record on the nearby April contract. It was up 92 cents, closing at 172.30. That is the highest close on a live cattle contract in history. The previous all-time high was made back in October of 2014 at 171.97. The rest of the contracts also finishing higher. June live cattle up 25 cents, 163.95. The August up 35, 163.25. Feeder cattle getting a nice boost from a lower grain market as well as support from those higher live cattle futures. April feeders up $1.17, 202.10. May up 220 at 207.82 with August up $1.35, 224.35. Cash fed cattle market all quiet so far this week. Feedlots here in the south asking 174 to 175. No asking prices reported yet out of the northern states. Boxed beef prices higher Tuesday choice up 206, 294.97. Select up 409 at 282.49. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Duck Bass, Cattleman's Columbus, my guest today. Doug, how did the Wednesday sale turn out? Mr. Larry, uh, we ended up with 1,018 head of cattle. The market looked good, steady, you know, to the week before. Can you walk the pens with us, please? Yes, sir. On your way in cows, your thinner lower yielding cows, 48 to 69, medium flesh cows, 73 82. Better higher yielding cows, 85 to $1.04. On your killer bulls, lower yielding bulls, 85 to 99. Better high yielding bulls, $1.05 to 124. On the cows, we had some good pairs and bred cows there. Better in pairs, 1500 to 2000. Medium type pairs, 750 to 1350. On the bred cows, the better bred cows, 1400 to 2000. And your medium type bred cows, 600 to 1250. Two to three weight steers, 190 to 297. Heifers, 180 to 285. Three to four weight steers, 185 to 267. Heifers, 175 to 265. Four to five weight steers, 170 to 265. Heifers, 165 to 242. The six weight steers, 165 to 230. Heifers, 150 to 225. 
six to seven weight steers 168 to 211 heifers 145 to 195 seven eight weight steers 150 to two dollars heifers 125 to 180 and your 800 to a thousand pound steers and bullion bring 145 to 175 and the heiferettes 115 to 140. what was the count a thousand and eighteen head well tell everybody how to get a hold of you doug bass for Cattleman's Columbus this next week? Yes, sir. You can call me on my cell, 979-877-4454, or call us at Dolphus, 979-732-2622. Of course, that's Doug Bass from Cattleman's Columbus. They sell there every Wednesday. And I'm Larry Marble. I'm here every Monday through Friday on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. And thanks for listening to us as a part of this program, Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished lower in Tuesday's trade. April hogs down 32 cents, 73.05. The May down 47, 82.37. Class 3 milk was mixed, with the nearby April down 3 cents, 18.63. 100 weight. May milk up 17, 17.94. The cotton market closed slightly higher following USDA's World Agricultural Supply and Demand Report released Tuesday morning. No real surprises for the cotton market in that report. The government did raise domestic exports and cut domestic carryout by 200,000 bales. However, world carryout jumped 860,000 bales to now stand at just over 92 million bales. May cotton up 30 points, closing at 82.75. The July up 18, 82.91, with new crop December cotton up 27. 82.90 cents. The grain markets responded negatively to the USDA WASD report. Corn and wheat both closing lower. May corn down three cents, 651 a bushel. New crops September down three, 567 and a quarter. In the wheat market, July Kansas City wheat dropped eight and a quarter, 850 a bushel. Soft wheat in Chicago dropped six and three quarters on the July. It closed at 684 a bushel. In the energy markets, May natural gas up two cents to twenty. May West Texas crude up a dollar sixty-one at eighty-one thirty-five a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Tuesday afternoon. The Dow was up one hundred eighty-six points, thirty-three thousand seven seventy-three. The Nasdaq down one point, twelve thousand eighty-two, with the S&P up fourteen, four thousand one twenty-three. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.